everyone. Welcome to the Smart Economy Podcast, a production of neonewstoday.com. I'm your host, Dylan Grabowski. In this episode of the Smart Economy Podcast, I was blessed to sit down and speak with Sonny Liu, the CEO and co-founder of VeChain Foundation. The foundation tasked with growing the Layer 1 public blockchain network that launched in 2015. Today's topics of discussion included Sonny's genesis into the blockchain space and how he's always been value focused on what this tech can bring to new enterprise entities and existing enterprise entities, how to use Web3 technology to improve the world, the significance of the VeChain enterprise and general community, what continues to drive Sunny, and so much more. Just a reminder, nothing said on this podcast is a solicitation to buy or sell any tokens, that the hosts or guests may hold tokens discussed in any given episode, and that none of this is financial advice. With all that said, I really enjoyed chatting with Sunny, and I hope you enjoyed the conversation too. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Smart Economy Podcast. Today, we're joined by Sonny Liu, the CEO and co-founder of the VeChain Foundation, a foundation tasked with the growth of VeChain, a long-running public L1 blockchain. How are you doing today, Sonny? I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me here. I'm very glad to be here talking to you and share what's uh, going on in VeChain. Yeah, I was telling you before we hit the record button that VeChain is one of those OG chains that I remember when I first got back into the space. So to jump off and go into the deep end with this conversation, I'm just curious. You've been in the space now for 9, almost 10 years. And I just want to hear your general thoughts on blockchain. How do you see this technology becoming an integral role and part of a smarter, more interconnected global economy? Well, long story. Like, uh, firstly, usually we wanted to make a jokes about our life in crypto world, right? It says one year in crypto equals seven years in the real life. Let's say the crypto world has just been shifting so fast and so much. Actually, this morning, when we discussed with my team together, we have been talking about the regulation changes. We have been talking about the enterprise adoptions, I would say all of the challenges we're talking about today, comparing what we have experienced, like in 13, 14, even 17, 18, it's just so much better. It's so much better. Generally speaking, I would say blockchain is like any type of new technology. I think the closest reference we can refer to is internet. When internet started, it's a similar situation. But I think the different part for blockchain is it just evolves even faster than internet. I think the key difference is it's really open sourced. Because it's open source, like people can learn from each other, right? We can share what we have been proud and also we can learn from the others and eventually the innovation and invention, like that kind of way, rolling out to the whole world. So I feel like blockchain is the revolution for the humankind. It's not going to just change the productivity, but also the relationship, like how people work together, even how people live together, how people are going to communicate or engage and interact together. So I'm pretty excited about that, actually. I just also, years by years, I feel like 
it's so closer and closer to eventually we have been dreaming, we have been talking. It's just nothing better than this, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I love hearing that you've been building a company for nine years and you still have this fire, this passion, this stoke to push forward this technology. And I mean, I can't overstate how much of an OG you are in this space. VeChain's been around since 2015. But I do want to go back a little bit in time. And prior to launching VeChain with uh, CZ, former CEO of Binance, you worked at some major international brands, Louis Vuitton, Bacardi, 3M. So I'm just curious, how did your experience back then with these large brands, how did that understanding of how these large international entities and corporations operate, what kind of knowledge did that arm you with when you were starting this brand new blockchain project? Yeah. Well, firstly, I have to make a correct statement. CZ is not the co-founder of VeChain, but we do launch the project at a similar time. We know each other back to, you know, 15, 16, 17. Basically, we launched the ICO together like just one month apart. I don't remember even like VeChain Star first or Binance later, but during that time, we do have several conversations. I want to apologize. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. The hits that you get for websites that state this is fact is ridiculous. So thank you for correcting me and clearing the air. Yeah, I think there was some like misinformation. But honestly, I think we are one of the very first projects get listed in the Binance back to 2017. A funny story is I, when I talked to CZ and his team, actually, I think it was in Tawaki when Binance moved to Tokyo just for a few days, actually. They just got the office. There was no chair, no desk. We basically sit in the empty office on the floor, get some drinks on a convenience store downstairs and finish that kind of the talking. But uh, nevertheless, that's uh, some kind of side story. <laughs> so how do we get started? Actually... I've been into the space since 13, 2013, and I've been fascinated about the Bitcoin and also the blockchain technology behind the Bitcoin. I even read through the Bitcoin white paper several times, went to the Bitcoin talk. Well, I don't know if people still remember or recognize the name. That was a BBS, bulletin board system for people to interact. So I always, having a mindset, is try to bridging the technology to some kind of business value. That was actually coming from my previous job before I created VeChain. And I was doing the CIO, Chief Information Officer for Louis Vuitton. And my job was connecting technology and business. Either try to figure out any kind of new technology could solve the issues or solve the problem or boost the business or any kind of business might be beneficial for some of the new technologies, They're always doing that kind of the bridging job. So when I spent like two, three years in the Bitcoin community at that time, I just feel like lots of people have been talking technical only about the codings, the protocols and consensus, block timer, all of that stuff. And I feel like if the technology needs to really go to the real world, building up really cool products, useful products for people to be able to use every day requires more than just technology. And I feel like that's my stress. I'm able to talk to both of the people and able to build that kind of a bridge. So I feel like, well, maybe that's my shot. 
And also one of the interesting conversations I had with my friend back then, they were like, okay, you're 35 years old right now. I, I was 35 years back to 2015. They said, that's a good sign. I was like, why? They said, well, Jack Ma created Alibaba at 35 years old and Pony Ma created Tencent at 35 years old. So it's a very good sign. I was like, okay, that's a good pep talk. <laughs> Let's do it. So finally, I made the decision to start to create the VeChain. And our vision never changed, actually, from the beginning. Always try to figure out how to use that technology to create valuable applications for real business. And also, I have a very strong belief the blockchain is just like the internet, will change everything, will make revolutionary change to the whole world, to everyone. And how we can get started? So I always question myself, like, well, what's your strength? What is something you can really make you outstanding? Or And I was thinking like, okay, I'm not the purely technical guys. And I do have some business resources. And plus, I was thinking about the first use case I tried to build. And referring to the project, the last global project I did when I was in Louis Vuitton, it was a truck and trace, global truck and trace system. I was just like, okay, what about we replace the database by blockchain? What kind of the change could happen? And everything just starting from there, then I locked myself up with a bunch of the tech geeks. We met in the different meetups, even the Bitcoin talk as well, start to challenge each other. And I was holding one job is like, okay, you build up the solution finally, based on our product design. Actually, I was not the only product manager. Actually, it was a group of people, like three or four people, sitting together, spending days, talk about the features, talk about the requirements. So after that, they were like, okay, Sunny, you have a job to make sure we'll convince Louis Vuitton to use our solution. That's your only job. So get to the Paris and get the job done. And I was like, wow, that's a little bit tough. Sure. I mean, I went to my old connections in the LVMH group. Luckily, I have a very good friend, also my mentor. He was global CEO of Givenchy. He's one of the brand of LVMH. So I spent 30 minutes with him and tried to sell our solution to him and tell him what blockchain is, what blockchain can do back to 2015. And he was like, I don't understand what you're saying. Whatever you're saying doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. So I use a very hard sales skills. It's like, okay, Philip. We've been good friends. You promise you're going to help me when I decide to leave Louis Vuitton. You told me like I'm a good guy. You want to help me. So here's the promise I'm redeemed. <laughs> the credits I redeemed here. Just let me try. Give me one line of products. Let me try. And I'm not going to charge you anything. But if you're your team, not only you, because he was a CEO, right? And also your team, your supply chain team, your IT team, feel comfortable about the solution, then we talk about the business later. So, you know, we spent a few months in Paris. I was getting an Airbnb, considering about the cost. I was getting a basement room without window, but spent a few months with my product manager, with my engineer over there. Eventually, we built up the solution. They are pretty happy about that. And a couple of years later, by end of 2019, we were able to cover 100% of leather goods of Givenchy globally. We feel like really proud about this kind of achievement. Even nowadays, they're still using that kind of solution for global supply chain management. 
And honestly, everything starts from there. There is just some kind of randomness. Let's say if I don't know those people, if I not able to convince them, even I don't redeem my credits or even he still could say no, right? That could be a totally different story. But I feel like it's fate of the technology itself. Maybe not me, but somebody else would do the similar things and eventually make a push to the entire industry. So that's how we get started. That was our first business case. Yeah, that's amazing. And you were able to leverage your previous ties in corporate world to make this use case come to life. But that's also something I was a little curious hearing about. And maybe you're going to have more of a positive response than I would have thought. But 2015, when you started VeChain, Bitcoin doesn't even necessarily have a future. The Bitcoin ETF isn't even a thing that's going to be talked about for another nine years. What were your friends and family and coworkers saying when you're leaving the Louis Vuitton and the Bacardi and the 3M and you're going to start your own scrappy little blockchain project out of a Airbnb basement room in Paris? I know, I know. Besides all of my friends, I would like to share stories about my mom and dad. My mom's response was like, are you crazy? Like he, she even used a cursing word. Are you crazy? <laughs> but my dad was a little bit surprising to me, to be honest. He was pausing for, I think, a few minutes. And then he told me the most touching words to me in my whole life. He was like, Whatever you try to chase after, even I don't understand. But by the way, my dad was a violin player. He was a musician. So he was like, I don't get it. I don't understand that. But if you really decide to do that, and I will let you know how much money I can give to you to support your thing. Even you feel, come back. We can start from scratch, redo it again, whatever. But do whatever you want to do. So I was like, honestly, I got my tears in my eyes and almost instantly. And from that day, I was like, okay, I got to make my old man proud about whatever we want to do. So I think my dad really gave me the last push. For sure, I was thinking about all of the changes could happen, the possible difficulties, the challenges. i give an example. When I was working, we travel like business class everywhere, always checking the five-star hotels. But one week later, when you think about staying in Paris, you're going to live in a basement without window and you know, for a few months. And you didn't even know, like, how can we get the fund in the next six months? It's just like that. So it's honestly, it's a huge change to my life, to my entire life. But until now, I still feel like that's a right choice. That's a right decision. And I won't regret. If I have the chance to back over again, I'm going to do it like a million times again. So, yeah, that's a really touchy. Honestly, I keep holding my eyes now. I mean, I think of my dad, I almost cried like instantly. That's really hard touching. My dad said he doesn't understand what I do, but as long as I don't ask him for money, then he's happy with the job that I take. So a little bit of support, but different types of phrasing and wording. I love that this kind of launch of VeChain feels very much like it was fate. And there were a lot of factors that played out to get to where VeChain is at today. So 
before we hit record, I was mentioning that I've been around in the blockchain space since 2017. And I very much remember VeChain's narrative back then was, let's focus on supply chain. And I think the first time I'd ever heard of using RFID chips or NFC chips or QR code scans for tracking where goods come from and where they go to, that was the first time I'd ever heard of this type of use case and it was surrounding VeChain. So that was the narrative back in 2017. What are today's key focus areas? What's today's narrative for the blockchain ecosystem? Yeah, well, the market has been like so dynamic, right? Lots of changes happenings, And actually, for us, it's the same. We have been keeping evolving, keep iterating. The one thing we did, I think no one else in this market has done before is we released the three times a white paper. The first time in 2017, make the statement to everyone, like what kind of the blockchain platform we try to build, right? So also for sure, leading to an ICO and we get the fundraising started. We spend the next whole year to deliver the VeChain blockchain, VeChain Soul blockchain as a layer one public blockchain platform. And with some of the really cool features, I think even one of them, like fee delegation, we're the first one to deliver outside of the entire blockchain space. So all of those features, all of those, let's say, setup or the configurations of our blockchain network is actually coming from a business demands. Okay, so Steve Jobs, it was one of my role models. I really look up to him. I remember one of his speech to answer the, back to one of the challenge questions in one of the event is about a cool product or amazing or successful product always needs to get back or starting from business requirements and leading to a technical delivery or technical invention, not the backwards. I really believe that as well. And all of our deliveries for our layer one blockchain platform is actually coming from those possible application or what we have done before the ICO, like 15, 16, all of the requirements we get or challenges we faced from the possible business users, whatever successful or unsuccessful cases. And then we think about how to put into our layer one blockchain platform. So that was the beginning. And then in 2019, we released the second version of white paper and focus on enterprise adoption. Like I said, we never changed the course. I always think about how to bring the value, how to create the connection to the real world. And even the idea was coming from the track and trace project I did in Louis Vuitton. So basically, it's very close to supply chain. I still believe that supply chain could be, or supply chain application could be the low-hanging fruit to any kind of enterprise users. Even back that day, think about talking to those enterprise people about use token or a cryptocurrency, they were like, are you crazy? Or how do I do that, right? Even the finance guys will be challenging, like, how do I book the accounting? There was no such rules. What about the taxation? Is it legal? Is not legal? Those type of challenges. So take off all of that. And what is the low-hanging fruits to lure those enterprise to try and explore applications on the blockchain? I would say supply chain was a low-hanging fruits. Was a even... I remember one of my friends said, oh, that's your Trojan horse. To get the enterprise come in and they start to experience a little bit. And 
in 2020, I think it was 2021, we started to think about, okay, what is next? After the 2019, we accumulated about 100 different use cases with different enterprise, like Walmart. We built the food safety for Walmart. A few days ago, they just reached to 2 million crores a day. I mean, I was really proud and also feel like a little bit emotional talk to my team. I say like, this is not only the trading or DeFi transactions. It's a real smart contract from a business. It generates the business value. That's something really meaningful, outstanding. I was really emotional about that. But nevertheless, starting from 2019, we accumulated about 100 views cases. And in 2021, we started to think about what is the next level? What could be the future of the blockchain applications? And we feel like Whatever we have done before, firstly, we call it block or database type blockchain applications. So basically just replace the database by the blockchain, right? And it feels like it's great, but there are huge potential of the blockchain, of the crypto has not been utilized and not been revealed yet. Even feel like only maybe 15% of the potential of the blockchain technology. So we were thinking about Eventually, after a few discussions internally, I feel like the future blockchain application should or must have token in play. There have been something in the future ecosystem, the future applications. I was using a figurally speech about what blockchain application could be. If you think about a blockchain platform, like a layer one public platform as skeleton to a body and all of the technical features, all of the smart contracts actually acting as muscles of a human body. And you're missing a very important one, is a blood, which is a token. Token is flowing around in the entire the ecosystem, connecting everything, giving the fuel to the muscle, to the skeleton, to make the people alive. So I feel like the future application should have token in play. And how can we find or discover any kind of the, let's say, blockchain application with a token in play. So then we start to brainstorming, we start to dig out. Also, I got some kind of a belief back then. I feel like the regulation will change. You know, it's just a matter of the time. We should do it now until the regulation happens. Then we don't waste any time on that. So, well, we still spend some time until like March 2023. We co-authored and released the white paper with BTG, Boston Consulting Group. As a third version, the latest version of white paper, we call it Web3 for Better. Actually, we summarize the low-hanging fruits again for token in play, that kind of blockchain application should be sustainability. And also, out of all of the experiences, journeys, we have been working with hundreds of different enterprises there is the biggest common spot is actually sustainability. Everyone talks about sustainability. Everyone talks about even invest in the future for sustainability. I was in a, one of the Amazon meeting with the manufacturing team talking about the possible supply chain case with Amazon a few years ago. They told me like Jeff Bezos invested $10 billion every year to sustainability area. Even they don't know what to do at that time. They just invested. And I feel like, wow, if people like Jeff Bezos make that kind of decision, that means 
improve our series, prove our stories. So we specify and we call it upgrade the strategy to be more focused on sustainability implementations for two reasons. One, I think the missing puzzle for sustainability implementation is to miss the individual involvement. We keep hearing or keep witness the big corporation make a big events, seminars, the officials are talking about sustainability or making a great inspirational speech. But what does those things down to earth? Like we can see, we can feel it every day. We don't have it, right? So missing the individual involvement, it was actually one of the biggest challenges we believe in sustainability. And the second, Web3 is the perfect answer. Web3 is about connecting the normal people, connecting to the individuals, instead of formalized to like a traditional labor contract or service agreement, right? Let's use a smart contract. Let's predefine some rules and we play by the rules and you get your contribution, you get the rewards. That's Web3. So the funny thing is after we released a white paper a few months later, I was able talking to one of them, our portfolio projects, and they get endorsed by UNDP. So the small apps is called A-Word. They're focused on the sustainability, focused on the SDG from UNDP, that kind of campaigns for the different enterprise users. So they told me like, Sonny, I really like your idea because like a few years ago when UNDP launched the 17 SDG, the original plan was 18 SDG. The number 18 was how to incentivize individuals for positive behaviors to be more sustainable. And due to the lack of technology or, or way to do that, so they dropped out. They make it as a 17 SDG only. And now we got a chance. I think it's about like using the Web3 to incentivize individuals to do the sustainability action on a daily basis and record proved by the blockchain using the token to incentivize them, perfect. So that's a perfect answer. So in summary, what we're actually doing is following the white paper launched uh, in 2023, working with the partner like BCG to, let's say, build up the ecosystem specifically for sustainability. And again, it cannot be done by us only. It's an ecosystem. So we position ourselves as an enabler. We wanted to enable the different type of projects, whatever is coming from the traditional Web2 companies or the new Web3 entrepreneurs, startups, or even some associations, they're doing the sustainability actions anyway. Our job is building up the platform and the necessary tools to enable, they are able to digitalize what they're doing and record it and approve by the blockchain and encourage more people to do the same thing. So start from the single. Sustainability is our new direction, a new upgraded strategy. We have been focused on that since a few years ago. Yeah, so in my former life, I was an urban planner and sustainability was a huge focal area for how do we build cities so that they can be resilient and they can be sustained through economic downturns, through environmental catastrophes, just through so many different types of 
I guess we could call them attack vectors. So when we look at like VeChain Thor, if you go to VeChain stats, you can see how many carbon emissions have been exuded by the network. So when we're talking about sustainability, you didn't even bring up environmental concerns. You're talking about the personal level. So I'm just curious, what are all the various different facets of sustainability that as a foundation, you guys place a priority on? It's obviously carbon emissions and empowering people by allowing them to leverage the network for their business needs. Are there other considerations that you guys keep in mind when you're viewing this goal of creating a sustainable blockchain ecosystem? Yeah, for sure. But firstly, I have to say sustainability is way beyond just environmental impacts or climate change. Okay. So from what we understand, there are three pillars about sustainability. One is obvious one, environmental change or climate change. And the second is actually we call it economic sustainability. And number three, even more challenging, is we call social sustainability or involving those kind of human capital. It's a quite a broader concept, a broader way or views about sustainability. For sure, most of people will connect to the sustainability concept to the environmental change or to the climate change instantly because it's the visible one. People can see the changes. For example, I, in March last year, I was in Vegas for a summit, and it was a big snow over there. And then you feel like, whoa, snow in the desert? That kind of the impacts make you feel more connected or like understanding about the climate change. But actually, sustainability is more way beyond that kind of concept. But for what we try to do is not really like environmental change or social change or human capital, those type of things, we actually try to down to earth. There are lots of the different players, associations, even the governments are focused on the different layers of sustainability, but we try to down to earth. We want to build up the platform to be able to collaborate with any kind of narratives. I don't care if it's ESG or SDG, or carbon footprint, or water footprints, what we try to do is to enable a platform to be able to host an application for normal people. So, for example, when you drive an EV, like if you drive a Tesla, and you're saving the carbon emission to the whole world to have less carbon emissions. So what you're doing is... We wanted to work with, let's say, this kind of the normal people. Getting the driving activity becomes digitalized and make the impacts to the entire environment. That's obvious one. And using the, let's say, talking about the carbon credits, it's just because it's very visible, like what I just shared. And also there is a global standard, like ISO standard for carbon credits. You do one thing how much carbon credits you can get, or how much even there is a centralized exchange, like traditional exchange, you treat about those carbon credits, right? But still, I would say it's way more than that. And we're just trying to go to the different angle, different level to encourage and motivate the normal people to live in a sustainable life. And maybe what you do is a very small 
or fractional impact to the sustainability. No one could recognize, no one understand that or able to track that. But with Web3 technology, we're able to track it on the blockchain and eventually could create a collective value. Let's use the carbon credit similar applications as an example. We did the case with BYD for the carbon credits in 2019. We did the calculation. If you drive 2,000 miles a year with a EV, as a normal people, right? 2,000 miles is normal people. And you probably save $50 in terms of the price of carbon credits. And it's a very fractional amount of value. And people may not even care about it. Nobody willing to pay somebody for $50 just by driving 2,000 miles EV. So what about, think from the different angle. If everyone doing that, somehow doing that, and think about how many EVs on the earth. Tesla delivered like 2 million cars every year, new cars every year, and not mentioning about the other players. And if we're talking about the 10 million cars, EVs, on the earth, driving averagely 20,000 miles a year, how much value for those 10 million cars? So we're talking about $500 million already, right? And it's a really a massive value, but only revealed, only could be discovered because it's already there. Just nobody are able to discover that. But with that kind of the ecosystem we try to build, our one of the critical job for us is to find and discover the collective value coming from the fractional efforts of the normal people. And the Web3 is just the perfect tool to make it happen. And then it's about how to, I guess I have to do a hot sales job again, try to sell this kind of collective value to somebody. I, but honestly, I think it's much, much easier than a few years ago. And by the way, we got the BCG to believe in this kind of the future and willing to go to the market together, I feel more confident and more comfortable about the future job like that. So that's something we want to do. You've brought up BTG a handful of times, and I just want to help shape the significance for the listeners. Could you just explain who BTG is? And through this partnership on the third white paper, Maybe the new sets of eyes or the new groups of people that you're able to reach out to now because you do have this collaboration? Sure. I mean, BCG is, I think it's number two biggest firm in the world. The Boston Consulting Group is a very large corporation with um, 100,000 employees across the whole world. I don't even remember like how many billions they have been generating as a revenue every year. But basically... I think they're one of the top firms in the world. Think about innovation, think about the technology, development, those type of business. And a few years ago, a couple of years ago, I came across with the BCG partner, Guy Gillenen, Dr. Guy Gillenen. He actually is the MD of BCG Dallas. And very occasional conversations we just discovered BCG also put two things sitting in the top of the strategy globally. Number one, sustainability. They're thinking about any kind of use case, any kind of, let's say, applications for the clients. Also, second is about uh, Web3, about the cryptocurrency, about the blockchain technology. 
And then we feel like, okay, it's like we fall in love to each other at the first blind day. And so we start to talk about like, why don't we write about what we try to do combined with in sustainability areas? Because, well, sure, they are the expert on that. And we are the Web3 experts. We know the blockchain stuff. And let's work together, starting from the white paper, and we go to the market together. So basically, simply to say, we will be able to go to the market together with BCG, utilize their networks, their business networks, their resources, to bring anyone who are willing to contribute to sustainability or build up the sustainability applications together on the VGC blockchain using the crypto, using the tokens to build up the new connections with individual users. So that's what we have been doing for more than a year, actually. Starting from the white paper, and now we're following up the go-to-market strategy, building up the ecosystem. Just in the next couple of months, we will deliver the first version of the future ecosystem. And then we're just playing the Legos and through the different players, different applications, different business models into that and grow from that. So honestly, I'm very impressed about the BCG because nowadays it's a little bit different, right? With the ETF get approved, with Mika to be launched in Europe, enterprise has different view. But think about that. We will start to talk to each other to build up the future enterprise ecosystem for sustainability since later 2022. And I would call they do have a guts to go really beyond that. Even the regulation is not ready yet, but they believe in that. They want to go all in in this kind of direction with us together. So I'm pretty impressed about that. And so far, I'm still very happy to work with them and we're continuing to work with them. So you've continued to bring up a lot of the current and future enterprise partners that VeChain will be onboarding into the ecosystem. But I was also pleasantly surprised to see that there are things like NFT projects and there are ways for just your average retail user to leverage the network, which to me was an eye-opener because dating back to 2017, if you've paid attention to all of the dino chain narratives, VeChain was always the supply chain, the enterprise chain. So can you share a little bit more about how you guys have maybe pleasantly opened your arms to the retail developer, to the retail builder, to your kind of crypto Twitter anon who wants to launch an NFT project? Yeah, I mean, firstly, that credits has to go, we call VFAM. It's a VeChain family, it's our communities. That's the best community I've ever seen, to be honest. That credits definitely go to them. All of those, the passionate guys and those teams are amazing. Honestly, amazing. So, well, firstly, I have to say, VeChain is a layer one blockchain platform, right? Even we have been, since 2019, after the second white paper, focused on the enterprise adoptions. But it doesn't mean VeChain is only able to do supply chain. We're only able to do the enterprise level applications. Actually, you can do everything. You can do anything you want. On the other side, we have been providing that kind of business scenarios to those community projects, but for sure, not on the retail side, but on the business side. I'll give an example. We have been working with one of our community projects, World of V, for deliver the collectible NFT to ATP Rome. 
back to May 2023. So we have been working with the ATP Federation or Association to put the chipset attached to the trophy and give it to those champions. And also providing some solution, NFT plus the chips for like a collectible souvenirs. Some of the players' rackets, the sneakers, they donate for charity. And eventually we reach to the top of the use case. Actually, we'll work with Jockwitch Foundation to make an auction in the NFT way for the tennis racket. Jockwitch won the Australian championship or something. And all of the earnings, it's in crypto and eventually goes to the Jockwitch Foundation for the charity. And one of our community members in the United States won the auction by NFT and using the NFT to claim the physical racket from the Jokovic Foundation. So we also provide this kind of, let's say, use case for our community projects. Even they are being focused on or try to deliver those kind of retail-based applications. But those kind of applications is not only for retail users, but also making the bridge connection with those enterprises. So firstly, we really appreciate the amazing work has been done by the community. We want to provide them more support. So like I got the question about the UFC more the, all the time, to me, UFC is not just for visibility. Sure, it's great visibility, but I think much better than that is it's a community engagement tool. We are able to using the UFC to build up that kind of interaction connections with different community members around the whole world. There are 40-something fights every year in 20-something cities in the world. And every time when we have a UFC, we always organize uh, VFAM gatherings, and we're able to share, interact, even listen to feedback from the community, oh, what you have done wrong, what you have done well, what's the ideas for the future. All of that stuff, it's a very good tool for that. And plus on this, we're also looking at UFC as a possible use case from the kind of the virtual rankings or NFT possible utility in the futures. It's also a possible use case. And we like to connect with our community projects to claim that as well. Because eventually, it's really about how do you build up the sustainable products and solutions, not just for uh, JPEG files. You got to have a utility as well. You got to have a use case as well. So that's what we have been doing. And plus on that, on top of everything, just in coming days, we will launch the Ground 2.0. It's a new program for VeChain Grants to support all of the community projects, even the individual developers. Actually, more than just developers, firstly, we upgrade from 30K top to we raise up the cap of a grant program from 30K to 100K. So that means the best one you can win 100K on that. And also we get down, that's something I learned from X, X.com actually, Twitter. We also push down the minimum grant to like hundreds or even a thousand dollars to more than just coders. Actually, I just saw the tweet. I'm pretty excited about that. One of our community members won a mini grant, like $2,000, by contributing the community organizing, the Twitter sharing, those type of things. Actually, it's very important as well. 
So with this kind of the upgrades of the ground, we will be able to, let's say, getting more builders, not only just technical builders, but also if you have business ideas, if you're a good sales, good marketer, you always can find a place in that big family and you will be able to get the grant as well. If you just touched upon this line of questioning, I really was interested in asking you about being a nine-year-old project. We're in a market and we're in an industry where the shiny new thing is the thing that everybody cares about. And you touched upon the change in the grants program to lower the thresholds to maybe your smaller non-technical contributors, but also increase the threshold to maybe your more technical teams who don't quite have that million-dollar business use case yet. I'm just really curious to hear from your perspective, how do you go about building a community in an industry where the shiniest new thing, the dog coin with a hat, or the Pepe coin or whatever is the thing that everybody's talking about today. Is it more than just grants programs? What else have you guys seen as uh, success in growing a community? I would say the different project has different pattern or different style, let's put it this way. And for us, I think we have been choosing or stick on the path, maybe the most difficult way to, let's say, build up the community. It's, it's always, let's say, engaging with the community and also empower the community. It's not like, okay, you're just an investor watching what we're being playing or doing. As a cheerleader, cheer for us. I think the true Web3 spirit is about engaging the people together and contribute to your own project. Like I would say VeChain is not really my project, my personal project. No, it should be like Every VFAM member's project, that's your own thing. And actually, I'm very glad and also proud to see there are many VChain members in the community feel that way. You get engaged, you get also recognized and rewarded by whatever the contribution you do. And actually, it's quite a fitting our future sustainability ecosystem as well. Actually, we're learning from what the VeChain community has been doing, put into the future sustainability ecosystem as well. It's like make everyone contribute, make everyone do the part, and you get recognized, you get rewarded, you get motivated to continue to do that. So that's something like Odyssey It's really hard. And I got that type of question from most of the startups or the young entrepreneurs. They're always asking that kind of question. I think it's the biggest challenge to most of the people, how to build up that kind of community, right? I would say it's, we should start with so-called a consensus. Like if we're able to believe in the same thing, I would say to be summarized, we all believe in the future of the blockchain. We all believe in the direction or strategy, upgraded strategy of VeChain. And we keep delivering what we have been promised or make it public. And even obviously more than what we have make it public because there are many NDAs, unfortunately, part of a traditional world rules. But we keep doing that. It's built up that kind of strong bonding of reaching community. And everybody, including myself, have been very proud of in this community. And starting from 2022, one of the best decisions we make together 
is go to the UFC and use that kind of UFC as the platform for all of our VTN community members. And we have been, my team is just fantastic. They have been putting really innovative collaboration with UFC. I give an example. We try to gain more, we call money you cannot buy experiences for our community members. For example, you can go to the Performance Institute. It's like a facility of the UFC in Vegas. You can train with the fighters together one hour with a professional coach, with all of the professional instruments, the monitors, monitor your punch, monitor your uh, power of your legs or your cardio rates and everything. That kind of experience is just amazing. But even myself, I never done that. I never used that kind of privilege to go to that kind of money you cannot experience, you cannot buy experience. It all goes to the community. Every time we bargain, we argue with UFC, we gain a few slots, all goes to community. So that's something we prove and also we share with the community. Like, okay, we're family members. We're just doing the different type of jobs, but we work towards the same goal. We work on the same mission together. So I think that's a fundamental, and we want to keep it up with, I believe, VFAM is the best community ever in the world. I also would not want to mess with anyone from VFAM if they're getting one-on-one coaching from UFC coaches. (laughs) 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 Wrapping up, we only have a few more minutes. I want to draw on the knowledge you've built over nine years building in this space and 11 years paying attention to this space. In the years you've been here, what are you surprised that blockchain technology has yet to develop? What have we not created yet that you thought we would have had in 2015? And secondly, what are you surprised that's here today that you didn't think about when you were first launching VeChain in 2015? Huh, that's a very good question, actually. So first apart, I witnessed many type of the use case, like when we back to 2013 or 14, start to brainstorming about what blockchain can do, what blockchain can really generate, the, the unique value can generate. I think here was here, more or less, you, you can witness some of the cases here and there. But I think the biggest challenge is still mass adoptions. What I'm really surprised to see is why we still don't having that kind of application people are using every day, which even without knowing there is a blockchain behind that, right? It's like the internet. The technical guy knows about a TCP IP or SMTP for email, but there are billions of people using the email without knowing that, right? The blockchain 15 years now, until now, right? Starting from 2009. So 15 years, and it's still a baby, I would say, in the early stage of the entire industry. But I would be thrilled to see if there is this kind of a product, even without business model. Well, think about that. Email doesn't have a business model, right? <laughs> so we need that kind of email type of blockchain application that massive people, like billions of users in the world, are using that. That's something I've been struggling, where I've been like really pushing myself and my team as well. And this morning, when I talked to my technical team and the product managers, I told them like, we need a sum of application 
my mom can use that. My mom is a 70 years old Chinese lady, doesn't speak English at all. If she can use the application, then you do a good job. So I would say we need that type of application. But to answer your second part of the question, I never saw the regulation can move that fast, to be honest. We think about the Mika launch this year. We think about ETF of Bitcoin Spa get approved just a few days ago. Well, remember that the first future ETF took us eight years, starting from 2013 to 2021. And then just another two years, well, a little bit less than two years from November 2021 to January 2024, just one and a half years, we got a spot approved. It's really, I would say it's a significant milestone for everyone. It paves the way, not only from the funding investment size to the market, for sure, it would be like billions of dollars, even trillions of dollars injected into the market by time. But also it paves the way for those enterprises, for those companies. When you think about the crypto, is not just the evil part, right? In the last few years, every time when I talk to those non-crypto people, we call it the muggles, right? They were like, no, crypto is evil. Think about Luna, think about FTX. No, crypto is evil. But nowadays, it clean up the names, paves the way. It's just a tool. And the regulation is make sure the tool is in the right hand. So let's be the good guys and use the tool for the right thing. So that's really, honestly, it's a nice surprise. I even couldn't believe that in January 10, I was checking the Twitter, checking the news <laughs> every five minutes. And eventually it got like a little bit quiet, revealed. And I was like, still couldn't believe that. And people may not understand the significance. People even struggle about, oh, after the ETF got approved, thanks to GBTC or Grayscale, the price of dollar bid. I was like, you got to look at the long-term value. You got to look at the significance of this ETF get approved. It's much more than just the money, just much more than the price, much more than the, the market impact. It's actually opened a new door to the new arrow. And eventually, I think the blockchain will shifting the gears into the real world adoptions, focus on the real values. And eventually, the players even could have come in more from professional world, coming from traditional world, enterprise world. And it's definitely a very interesting and a very exciting mingling process. Crypto people, non-crypto people will start to mingle to each other. And that's going to be a huge. Sonny, this was a phenomenal way to spend an hour. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, insights, lessons learned, the experience you've gained, your vision, and all in such a fun, lighthearted, passionate, engaged way. I am super excited to have gotten to chat with you. I feel like this is a top five interview I've gotten to host. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us on the Smart Economy podcast today. Thank you to have me here. I feel very inspirational conversations. Those questions are not easy to answer. But I feel like it's pretty inspirational as well. I like to do it again. A few, let's say, once we have more developments and updates, let's do it again. Share more. Yeah, let's touch base in a couple quarters and see what the results of White Paper 3.0 are. Yeah, lovely. 
Awesome. Well, have a great day, Sonny. And thank you so much. And I look forward to chatting again. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, what did you think of that conversation? I couldn't help but think about the passion that Sonny continues to bring to the space, even after building here for nine years and going. I really enjoyed hearing about the significance and value that the VeChain Foundation is placing on their community and how that will be reflected in the upcoming changes to the second version of their grants program. And it was just fascinating to hear from Sonny, an OG in this space, how far he thinks we've come in terms of regulations, but also how far we still have to go in terms of gaining mass adoption. To keep up to date with this podcast, head over to www.smarteconomypodcast.com. And if you've liked the guests that we've had on this show, please consider showing support for the show by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Every rating and review on your favorite podcasting platform helps get us in front of more people to help showcase the great guests that we've had on the show. And of course, if you're a NEO token holder, please consider voting for NEO News Today as your council representative. We've proudly been serving the NEO ecosystem since 2017, and we'll continue to put portions of our council income directly back into ecosystem growth initiatives. With all that said, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Smart Economy podcast, and we look forward to catching you next time.